Welcome to the Accounting Technology Fireside Chat Podcast. Now, sit back and enjoy while Nick and Trevor help you use your technology to make money and delight your clients. Well, hello, Trevor. Welcome back to the Accounting Technology Fireside Chat Podcast. How are you, sir? I'm very good. Lovely. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll get the live stream right today. That'll be kind of cool if it actually works. Last last week you were Mr. Echoey. I had to delete it. Oh, okay. It's, it's me yeah, being okay. unable to use our technology properly was kind of the issue. Yeah, audio, technician, everything. You've got all the yeah, yeah, just totally stuffed. Yeah, just totally stuffed it up because I'm, I'm useless or something. Anyway, how's Melbourne? How are you doing? Um. Well. Yeah, I must say I was a bit flat Monday. I that it, it's starting to get to a few people where, um, you know, it's it's onward and upward. We're getting some good numbers. I think we've got can see the end in sight. But I must admit, Monday I was like, wow, I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> haven't seen my kids for months. I haven't seen you know all of these things are starting to yeah they start to yeah. Get now I can understand. It shouldn't be long till it starts to get relaxed though. Yeah, yeah, it's been a bit of fun. You know. It's all been a bit of a novelty for a while, and then, yeah, I think just um, the announcements and just how long it's taking to come out, and it, 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 what he the the change in restrictions. Although he made them sound the premier made them sound fantastic, when you actually look at them, it was no different. <laughs> oh well, oh well, you'll you'll get there. You'll have numbers as low as New South Wales fairly yeah. soon. So you can you can go meet five people <laughs> in a park, and if you don't know anybody within five kilometres of your area. You can't meet anyway, uh, we, we've so. had some complex rules come through too. I've, I don't even, I don't even try and understand them anymore. <laughs> cool. So, um, what are we going to talk about today? Should we do the one we did last week and it didn't work? Yeah, let's talk about APIs again because one, I'm a slow learner, and two, we didn't record it. So let's get onto it again. I love. I will really enjoy last week. So I think it's something that will be really useful for everybody. to Okay, well, let's well. let's start from the uh, beginning. Um, and you're a bit more educated now than you were last week. What do you think an API is, Trev? Application very program good, interface. Very good. Um, it, oh, it's, geez, you did, and it's a piece of technology that allows computer programs to talk to each other. So um, let me think of some examples that you, that you probably see in, in everyday life. Um, well, actually, have you, have you ever gone to a web server? Yeah, yeah, so what's the happened there is your browser has called an application programming interface that the web server is running. And, and that's called, a, and you'd have heard of this, that's called a REST API. yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. And what's it, do you have normal APIs? There's, there's lots of REST? different types. Um, there's there's WCF, there's um, ODI, there's, I, I could go on, there's, there's, there's almost as many types of, of APIs as there are pieces of uh, programming languages and pieces of software out there. But, but commonly, um, as things move on, we're more and more, at least for now, using REST APIs. And that's just about to be replaced with a new standard, but we, we won't get into that at the moment because most things are talking REST because that's how the web works. And just to clarify, REST representative, means... representative state transfer, um, and so that 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 basically means when you talk to a server and you ask it for something or you tell it something, um, you send all of the state in that request. The server doesn't actually keep a relationship with you. 
So each request is totally unique um, and because that's kind of how the web works. There's other APIs where you can say, hi, I'm Nick, and it goes, hi, Nick, and it keeps a record of me. And when I make different requests, it, it knows what state I'm in and those sorts of things. That's not how um, uh, REST works. REST, you basically, when you ask it something, you have to pass all the state information that you need. So, so it's, it's, it's a little bit more in depth, but it means that your client is effectively what we call stateless. So you mentioned server a few times in there, and I get a bit concerned about service because I've only found it's only to me it seems like cloud-based applications have only really been using APIs. It's the only time I've ever heard about it was when we started to use cloud-based applications. So, and then you're talking server, and that's confusing me because I'm going, well, what do you mean? Why are we talking about a server? When the only time I've heard about APIs is in cloud-based. Right, so let's let's be let's be a little bit careful. A server doesn't, you're thinking of this big device sitting in a rack in your office that we got rid of years ago as a, a server. But but servers... No, 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 not most people got rid of. What, most people got rid of or you got rid of? Which, which is, most, some people have still got them. Oh, we got rid of it, yeah, but yeah. a lot of so, people So server no. I'm using more conceptually. I'm, I'm not using it as, as a physical device. Um, conceptually, uh, when I say web server... Um, in the world of cloud, I probably don't mean one machine. I probably mean many um, behind lots of networking devices. So it's more a system. Um, but in the, 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 the terminology we use, we use the term server to mean anything which sits there, you ask it for something and it gives it back to you. Okay. So let me give you an server. example. Let's say you're using Zero Practice Manager, right? And yes. it wants to go and get a list of your contacts from zero. In that yes. situation, zero is the server and zero practice manager is the client. But let's say you yep. raise an invoice in zero and you want it to go to zero practice manager. In that case, zero practice yep. manager is the server and zero is the client. Right? right. And at the same Exactly, but at the same time, you're accessing both of them through a browser, and they're both acting as servers, and you're acting as the client. I'm trying to. Um, all right, okay, you're just being silly now. Um, <laughs> so tell me why, to me, it seems like we've only started seeing APIs once we've moved to cloud-based applications. Why does it seem to me that this was very difficult before because it was very difficult before we have cloud. In the world of cloud, or from a network perspective, I know where zero is. It's somewhere at zero.com. And if I want to talk to zero, I always talk to api.zero.com. I don't have to think about, is it running on your site through your firewall? So so back in the day when you had physical hardware and, and software running in, on your environment, it's impossible to really use APIs publicly because there's no way for me to get to those devices. There's firewalls and all sorts of things. In the world of cloud, now we host things centrally. Um, you've got the ability for applications to communicate with each other. So this has caused the term API to become really prevalent. And it's it's also not just the techies who are talking about it. There's now marketing people talking about it because saying I have an API is like saying I do Bitcoin, right? It's something that, that gets people who don't know what they're talking about excited and wanting to part with their money. Yeah, everybody yeah. wants an API. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody needs an API, everybody should have an API. 
in today's world because we're we're focused on integration and we're starting to think of stacks of, and we're, we're pl application stacks and we're saying okay well what's my application stack what is the, the all the different applications i've gone and the key is that all of them can talk to each other and integrate so i don't have to import data again in any yeah so you're, you're absolutely right it's that integration is really important and it's the entering data once and having it appear the same way everywhere in your environment is really important. Um, if you imagine a human error happens all the time, and if you had to enter a client into, you know, your accounting software and your practice management software and your timesheeting software and your printing software and your collation software and your billing software and probably some other stuff, the odds of there being a mistake somewhere is you'd always guarantee to have something spelt wrong. So when did people get this wrong? Because I've seen situations where there's just too much data and we've connected via the API to something and it's slow and it takes forever to do anything. So that's when I say, well, that's not a very good API or something like that. And whereas you get other APIs which are maybe focused just on one thing and that works extremely well. Um, so I, would, I, would, yeah. I wouldn't Probably say that one of the biggest APIs in the world is called Microsoft Office Graph. Um, and that's the API that you can access the whole of Office 365, all of it. Teams, Planner, SharePoint, yep. Exchange Online, even Azure Active Directory when it's working. Ooh, so I had to throw that one in after yesterday's little outage. Um, but yeah. that's an enormous API that does a ton of things and works really fast. Uh, it's all about how you architect things. So you can choose to architect you know, your software in such a way that things are fast and efficient and they work well, or you can choose not to because you don't know how to architect things at scale. And, you know, organizations like Microsoft will spend, you know, millions and millions of dollars and thousands of people making sure their software scales, whereas smaller organizations, you know, quite commonly, you'd never have had any experience of how to build truly world scalable software. And so you get hooked up on things which impact scalability. Yeah, yeah, like I've, I've connected yeah, Zero Practice Manager to some other applications and it just runs terribly. It's slow as anything. So I'm assuming it's sending almost the same amount of data, almost all the time. Okay, so, all the data, so, so you're talking you about, know. yeah, as is one example for that is um, polling versus webhooks. So let me, let me use an example. Um, if I go and, let's say I've got a piece of software which pulls out the client list from Zero Practice Manager. For example, if I use that API to pull the client list and you've got 3,000 clients, it will go and pull back all of the clients. Big chunk of data, right? Um, if you go and change one of those clients, the software really has to pull that list back again and then loop through it to find where the changes are. Um, whereas there is a mechanism called webhooks, which allow people who write APIs to actually just notify the receiver that there's been a change in a single client. That's way more efficient because we're moving less data around. Now, some applications support that and some don't. It's the ones that don't is where you can often see, yeah, it's slow to sync, it's slow to update, it performs slowly, etc., etc. But it's, it's always balances, right? It's checks and balances as to how I architect things versus what people want to do. I can't have all the data everywhere instantly. It's when you get to lots and lots of data, it becomes less, less and less possible. And, and, and what about things like um, sending data through? So if we're, you know, if I'm trying to send an invoice, right? So I've created an invoice somewhere or data yep. from an invoice and I want it, that invoice to turn up in yep. my accounting package. Or 
I just want the data to turn up and the accounting package creates the invoice. Yes. So, so somehow you've got to tap... Yeah, so somehow you've got to tell the accounting package there's a new invoice, okay? So it may be that the accounting package will support you saying to it, hey, accounting package, here's a new invoice. It may be that it works differently. Let's say, uh, let's say um, um, I'm using, you know, Nick's practice management tool to create the invoice data and yep. I'm using Xero as my accounting software and Xero really doesn't know anything about Nick's accounting tool. Um, so... There's no, and, and Nick's practice management software doesn't really know anything about Xero, and I kind of want to integrate them. Really what has to happen is one of them needs to go to the other one, get all the invoices, see the new one, and add it to its own system. Now, it's not going to do that instantly. It's going to poll and do that on a cycle. If they know about each other, and this is where you get application partner programs and certification and stuff, one of them can tell the other there's a new invoice, and it can go and do some actions. And so that's the difference between, you know, API where I'm going and pulling something to APIs where I'm going and writing something and, and, and they're, they're both quite different. So it's, it's working out how to do that in an effective way is really quite important. But for example, if I'm writing an application that pulls data from zero and you go and add a client to zero, zero is not going to tell me that that client's been added. Right, it's just going to sit there with the new client in its database. I've got to then say, Zero, give me all your clients again, loop through them, find the addition, add it to my platform, and move on. So that can slow things. Well, in your mind, slow things down. Um, but it's just this processing running in the background. You don't want too much of that because you break things if you have too much of that. So, so you yep. mentioned certification. It's a bit of a topic at the moment. We know why. Um, that's to do because now you're getting into the phase of you're going to operate. So you've got your public API and your data's coming through and that's out there and that's got a little bit of restriction on it. Uh, so so let's talk about those constraints as well. Very commonly, um, developers will go, I kind of know how my application will perform. I kind of know the limits to which it will perform. So I'll write those in the API. So you can't go and make a million calls one after the other after the other. You can only make yeah. 60 per minute or, or something, which means everybody can share that limited resource. Now, there are ways of architecting that so those restrictions don't apply. And that's where you would do the certification. Uh, not, not, not even, not even that. Most, that most you know, smaller, I'm even calling zero, smaller software house will still have limitations, even if you've been through certification. The big guys, though, um, the Salesforces and the Oracles and, and the Microsofts of this world, they don't have restrictions on their APIs because they've architected it to cope with every one of their users using it all the time with no impact. But that takes money and time and effort and that's a significant engineering challenge. Okay, so why are we going through a certification process? So a lot of that's kind of... A lot of that's... A lot of that's kind of marketing, right? Um, um, so, uh, you know, for example, in the zero certification process, they don't let you connect too many clients until you're certified because if your application was malicious or nasty, they don't want it on their platform. Um, I'd also assume if their application was competitive, they wouldn't want it in their platform as well. So they want to have a look at it before they actually allow you to go into market. And that's the same as the Microsoft Store or the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. Right? People have different restrictions. In, in a way, Xero has some more and some less, but they do deal with accounting data. So, so you can be fairly 
you know, sure, what they're trying to do is make sure their platform is good and wholesome. But prior to that, there was no certification process with the so API. So Xero's always had process? one. Zero practice manager didn't used to. They just introduced that recently. Right, okay. Ah, okay, that's very cool. And but Zero's got one, and but you don't need to certify if you just want to do a one-off. Uh, there are lots of limitations around that. Um, so you, you're only authenticated right. for 20 minutes, um, and you need to re-authenticate every time, so you can't create any background tasks. It, it is harder if you're not, you do need to certify each app, really. Yeah. You should certify. There was a, and there was a question which hit me on that one, which I wanted to, it's just lost me now. So I, um, I was, we were talking about certification, the change in the certification. Look at that awkward silence. No. <laughs> You're all right. Hey, sorry. Yeah. It'll come to you in a minute and I will, um, yeah, well, creating. So if I want to, you know, I'm an accountant. I'm, I've got a little bit of an idea around creating yep. an API, a little bit of an idea of what information I want to go in there. So I might go through and say, well, here's my data. Who do I get to create these, these APIs, these integrations? If, if it's not automatic, if it's not a standard or integration. Yeah, so I'd something. probably go and look at one of the platforms that integrate things. So a Zapier or a OneSAS, I think they're out, or a Cdata, are three different companies that provide integrations between different platforms. Um, and you, you can download and certify various ones and make them work. It's not simple, though. It's not, it's not like something you can just click a button and make things happen. There is some complexity around it. Um, but certainly I've seen some accountants actually work with those and use those. But it's, it's, not a, it's not a simple process to integrate two APIs. It's not designed to be. It's designed for software to talk to software. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I've been working with one guy. He's got software developers and they've been talking to him. He's got his own application. It's a big billing system, for example. And... He's created his own link yep. to Zero and created his own APIs, and he's pushing information into Zero. That yep, and that's cool. But you need developers in order to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I think I like I, I'm kidding there. It uh, you know I, I remember many a discussion about REST APIs and all those sort of things that you guys used to have that I had no idea what you were arguing about and talking about sometimes over a beer. Many, many a good discussion on those things. So I'm learning a little bit more about it. One thing I do know is as an accountant, it's something that we need to know. And when we're looking at application stacks and so forth, we need to make yes, sure that they do Yes, absolutely. You want to only be entering data once and you want it to fly everywhere. I think that's really critical. Yeah, yeah. The, the integrations, you've talked about Microsoft 365 Teams and all of these sort of things. The, the beauty of that application is they all yes. talk easily together. So you've got your Microsoft suite all talk together. But what you're saying also is that they've got a very good API to bring other data in as well. So you can um, get, if you've got some functionality, you can in, engage a software developer and say, hey, I've got this other thing over here and it's creating something and I'd like that to go across to there. So um uh, let's say i've got my outlook calendar talk to me let's say we've got and my outlook calendar i'm putting in my calendar items and i'd like to automatically create timesheets in my um zero yep. practice yeah, so not not in, not the simplest thing in the world um but the way the a way you can do it is you need to write a connector so if you're talking office 365 the base best tool to integrate is something called power automate um what you do is you create yep. a connect 
They used to be called Flow, now called Power Automate. Um, You build a connector for Zero Practice Manager in Power Automate, and there's documentation on how to do that. And then basically your users can create flows saying, when a new calendar entry arrives, create a timesheet entry in Zero Practice Manager. Uh, yes, you need some development assistance, and one of the reasons is the um, if that specific example, the Zero Practice Manager API talks something called XML, whereas the rest of the world talks something called JSON. So you're going to need something in the middle to convert. Um, but if you had that, you'd be you'd yeah. be fine and talking. And we we made that work, yeah, you know, a few years ago when we were working on the CA Kairos project. Well, I did. I did. We wrote the middleware which did that, but it's not right. running at the moment. Uh, there was a lot going on there. Yes, there was. Awesome. I, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> API now. I thought you might be. We've been going for a while on it. It's at least 20 minutes of APIing, which is probably enough for anyone, really. Yeah, it, it, but it's good to know. And it's it, the most important thing, as we said, most important thing is yep. to know that it's available. And that, that, you know, if you want to know anything about it, probably reach out to you. And say, hey, I've got this thing where I've got, I've got to duplicate yep. processes. So reach out to Nick or whatever. Reach out and say, hey, I've got this process, and what's it going to cost? What would it cost to build an API like that one we did for you're talking about to create an Outlook integration? Because we are being very flippant. Yeah. So the, the when, when we situation. last built the XPM connector, that took a PhD student and a developer a month together so it's it's what what's that that's a doubling of you know 20 40 days times 3200 is that kind of number so about about 120k yeah yeah that's um out of the budget yes so you build you build the connector and then (laughs) market it i'm building commercial quality software is hard and expensive but if you build it you can then market it and and make a return on it so and it's not hard to make that kind of a return over a couple of years on some software you write yeah so go write that one you've got to find people people who want it it. and I, i love that you want things but anyway trevor point at the bottom of your screen no, 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 on, on camera. Put your <laughs> finger in front of your face, point it down. Brilliant, that's the link to click on if you want to subscribe to this to this podcast and, and hear it uh, using CastBox, or if you want to like it, or if you want to give us a comment um, and get us to discuss a topic that you're interested in. Um, Trevor, faster chat. Are you still right? Uh, we're not today, but we will do on the next one, if, as long as I'm sure the audio works. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. No Trevor, thank you so much again today. Cool, I'll catch you next week. See ya, bye. See ya then, bye-bye.